Mexico and India, they're exact opposite. How is it that we had so many things in common? So I was documenting everything from my blood pressure, my heart rate, my weight, everything I was documenting when I started Shambhavi Mahamudra, expecting for something to happen, for you to be happy. I actually advise this to my patients when they're so stuck in their mind. I always tell them, do something about somebody else. everybody thank you so much for for joining in in this podcast i have the, my guest is paulina from mexico and um she was also part of the sadhana pada program the seven month residential program at the isha yoga center and as i'm trying to get all different people to share their experience i invited her um, because she was part of the Spanish translations team and um, I remember her um, being very devoted and involved in, in, in many things and I, I was surprised when I heard that she was back in Mexico. So I really want to know about her experience going, coming back from the ashram, being in Mexico, surrounded by, by, by her family, by friends, by old friends and how her whole journey started as well. So also we will definitely, I want to talk to her about the similarity between the ancient um, Mexican culture, the, the Mayas, the Incas, and many, many more that we don't even know about and, um, and uh, Indian spirituality and uh, ancient India. So excited about this podcast. So thank you so much for joining. Um, please introduce yourself. Hi everyone, my name is Paulina. I'm from Mexico and uh, I want to start in the very beginning, if you're okay with it. Yes. How did I join Isha and how would we, I ended up doing Sadhana Pala for seven months. So it's a long story, we're going to make it very short. <laughs> Basically, I'm a physician, I'm a doctor. And once upon a time, I was doing very typical classical Western medicine. I was doing a, uh, um, my uh, internship, well, it's residency in anesthesiology and I was stressed and I was sick and I was miserable all the time. So that's when I knew this was not right. No, I needed something else. So I switched from uh, uh, the Western medicine to they call it alternative in this part of the world, but uh, to, West, to ancient medicine. So I started my training in classical Chinese medicine. I'm a specialist in acupuncture in, in Chinese medicine. And that's when my focus completely changed. My life completely started to change. And I started seeing other stuff and I always was trying not to fix people's health, but how to feel better and how to have a healthier, happier, beautiful life. So I, I, I just wanted to learn everything and anything about especially the East. And in that process, I met my Hatha yoga teacher. She is one of my best friends and she introduced me to 
classical, proper classical Hatha yoga, not gene yoga, not let's get our booty better yoga, but classical Hatha yoga. She is a devotee of Swami Satyananda, who's uh, a disciple of uh, Swami Shivananda. So it's pure classical Hatha yoga. And she was a key element for me to learn about this world and the benefits. I, I, I just started feeling so much better. And I wanted to know more, like everything that works. You want more, always. So one day in one conversation, we started talking about gurus. I didn't have a guru. And that's always like some, become something interesting or appealing when you're in the path of classical Hatha Yoga, and somebody dropped Sadhguru's name in the conversation. We talked about all the gurus and swamis in the world, but that name stuck in my mind, like, I don't know, like glue. And I started researching. Like many people, I found these beautiful videos in the internet. So I started Googling and watching YouTube, one YouTube after another, after another, after another. I was just addicted. I could, I was not even working properly. I was just ever telling him, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just like this glued to my screen, watching Sadhguru. And one day we knew, my friend and I, we decided we wanted to meet Sadhguru. I didn't know what was inner engineering, what was Shambhavi Mahamudra, nothing. I just wanted to be in his presence. That's it. I needed to be there. So I did an engineering because that was one of the requirements to go there to meet him, but I didn't know what was it. I, I found it amazing, but I didn't fully understand what was happening. So I did engineering online, and then we traveled to Atlanta, in the United States for initiation. And that's when we learned Shambhavi uh, Mahamudra with Sadhguru himself, one of the best experiences of my life. And that's when the Changes really happen. I'm a scientist, so I was documenting everything from my blood pressure, my heart rate, my weight, everything I was documenting when I started Shambhavi Mahamudra. I've never felt better in my life. I have a tendency to have high um, heart rate. No, my, my heart tends to go really fast. And when I was doing Shambhavi twice a day, it's the best that my heart has ever been. I was six feet per beats per minute. And uh, it was just, I was feeling amazing. So when I was there in Atlanta, I bought this beautiful book called More Than a Life. You remember this book, right? You probably read it. Yes. <laughs> it's it's a game changer. Wait. <laughs> you probably have it there, yes. <laughs> <laughs> More than alive. That's a total game changer. Yeah. I was reading that book. Yes. And, and uh, my friend book. and I, we were planning. It's an amazing book. So my friend and I, we were planning to go to Tennessee to do BSP, which is one of the next programs for, for Isha. And after reading More Than Alive, I said, no, forget it. Forget it. I have to go to India. I have to sit in the Analinga temple. There's no way around it. I just need to go. I just was finishing one of my morning meditations and I opened up my eyes and it was like, Chung, India, I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
that was it. And you know how it is. When something's for you, the universe helps it. There's like a cosmic conspiration and everything falls into place. So from the plane tickets, everything, every, the schedule, everything just fell in the right position for me to be there. And my life changed forever. So I went one time because uh, I had a limited visa, so I had to go, go back to Mexico. But you know how it is. Once you're there, you don't have enough. <laughs> you need more. And when I was there, I realized the hugeness that Sadhguru was and the ashram and the teachings. So I wanted it for everybody to see and learn about this. That the first time I went, I decided that I needed to start the translation team, the Spanish translation. The ashram already had a lot of Indian languages and Russian, French. I think German was already there. They had a few people, but they didn't have any Spanish people, no Spanish team. So that became a fire inside me. I was like, yes, everybody should know about this. So I went back home. I arranged some stuff and I went back to India to do the Spanish translation. While I was there, one day I was sitting there, and you know, this place is, I don't know if you had the, the experience, for me it was like magic. You thought of something, or you long for something, and it kind of happened. I don't know if you had the same experience as I did. I, uh, I was longing to intensify my sadhana. Sadhana is whatever practices, whatever tools you have to intensify your life. And I just wanted something to make it bigger, you know, to make it more intense. And two days later, I got a WhatsApp from Swami Kalola saying, join this new program called Sadhana Pada. <laughs> to, for you who are longing to intensify your sadhana and this and that. It was like made for me. I felt like, yeah, <laughs> this is a gift from my guru. And I have to do it. The beautiful thing about the first batch, you are also part of this batch. We had no idea, nothing. There were no instructions. There were no path. Nobody knew, including swamis and teachers. And <laughs> that guru said, and we all followed. And it was beautiful and perfect. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. I enjoyed it immensely. I learned while I was in Sadhana Pada that you know how it is, no life. You're always looking for this next stuff, no? You finish your whatever, bachelor degree, now you want a master's degree, you finish your master's degree, now you want a PhD. You had a high school sweetheart, now you want a husband. You have the husband, now you want the kids. And it's always like a never ending pursuit of something. You had a small car, now you want a big car. You had a small house, you want a huge house. And it's like that all the time, expecting for something to happen for you to be happy. That's life, a never ending pursuit of the next thing. And 
in one part of my life, I thought of it too, that I needed the husband, the kids, the job, the money to be happy. Sadhana Pada, it's a tool that helped me find that inner peace and inner satisfaction and happiness. Nothing needs to happen. <laughs> Absolutely nothing needs to happen for me to be okay and happy. Now more than ever, what do you think? I mean, nothing's happening right now, right? <laughs> yes. So we need to find happiness within ourselves. We're locked down. Our uh, possibilities of working or doing stuff, planning, whatever it is that we wanted to do, it's been limited so intently, no? I was planning to go back to India. I was already making arrangements to go back to India when this happened, the lockdown happened. So all of a sudden, all my plans went to hell. <laughs> and I'm stuck here. And... But I'm okay, I'm happy, whatever life is throwing my way, I'm finding ways to enjoy it. I'm finding ways to see it as a teaching. I'm finding ways to grow from it. I'm finding ways to laugh about it. And this is all because Sadhanapada. This is all because of the tools given during the seven month series. Because nothing needs to happen. Nothing needs to happen for me to be happy. I'm just happy. And this is one of the most beautiful gifts I have ever received in my life. This is the perfect thing. I'm no longer looking for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. It's just a wonderful experience. Of course, I, I don't know what people have asked you about the programs. I've received all kinds of crazy <laughs> questions of the program. <laughs> I um. People think that it's uh, like a cult or something and that you're going to do crazy things inside. They're going to make you dance naked or something. I don't know. People can imagine all kinds of things. So I wanted to share a little bit, just a little bit, because we can't ruin the surprise of what Sadhanapada is. No? So just a general view. There are many surprises within it. There are many incredible experiences. I want to share one. I think we're able to share this one. Um, we were working for some period of time. We had some um, in the Spanish department, in GLP in general, it's global languages, publication, a lot of work all of a sudden. And a bunch of us kind of became a little bit tired. I was feeling the stress and the pressure. And all of a sudden, we had a surprise three-day silent program. So we can't tell you what happens inside the program, but you're silent for three days. And after that, my energy was through the roof, like through the roof. I was so alive, so energy, just three days. I've learned how intense and important silence is, how much energy we lose like this, talking, 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 talking. Wow and <laughs> how one or two days can change your life completely. You don't need a month vacation in the beach, sipping pina coladas. <laughs> <laughs> Getting tired. 
<laughs> even more tired than before. <laughs> Getting even more tired than before, that's true, because I don't know everybody else, when I come back from the beach in all of these holidays, I'm even more tired than when I left. So uh, it was amazing. It was something remarkable, like that. Many intense and life-changing things happen during the program. So basically what you do in the program in Sadhana Pada is the main focus is yoga, of course, your practice. We call it sadhana. So every morning we do our sadhana. That's the main thing, you know? You wake up early with the sun and <laughs> or before the sun. Not really forced to wake up. You wake up by yourself, right? Like, you know, when people hear you have to wake up, oh my God, I have to wake up. I don't like to wake up early, but actually you just start to wake up by yourself. Your life, your energy changes. You start understanding something when you stop abusing no um, sugar, a lot of sugar and high starch food and all of that. Your body finds a balance and exactly five o'clock in the morning, you wake up and you wake up with energy with like this, like, hey, good morning. It's not like, I have to. <laughs> No, it's not like that at all. You wake up and you do your sadhana because that's the best you feel during the day. No, while you do your sadhana, you feel energy, you feel love, you feel peace, you feel all these beautiful things. So you do your sadhana. That's one of the main focuses. Second, uh, you do a volunteer work. Some people don't understand volunteering, but Volunteering is a way to give yourself to something bigger, to something higher. Volunteering is a way to put yourself to the side because we're always thinking, what about me? What about me? What about me? You know, what's in it for me? Nothing's for you. <laughs> Do something that is about somebody else. And it's beautiful. And you know what? I've seen that through volunteering, I've grown and I don't know, got so much satisfaction, so much happiness out of it, that in the end, it is about you. Volunteering, it is about you. But giving yourself to someone else is one of the best experiences of your life if you haven't done it. I actually advise this to my patients when they're so stuck in their mind. I always tell them, do something about somebody else, someone that is not you. You'll, you'll see the difference. So you volunteer. There's all kinds of volunteering in the ashram. They find one that is suited for you or something that you can do that works for you. So it can be something manual. It can be some office work. It can be anything. And it doesn't really matter. It's just about giving yourself. And... Um, so you do your sadhana, you do your volunteering, and within the program, the seven-month program, you do mini programs. So you have, they teach you yoga, of course, they teach you your sadhana, they give you a lot of uh, follow-up, so they have mini programs to see how you're doing, how you're feeling, how you're doing your sadhana. Some teacher is checking on you to see what mistakes you're making, so you can always grow from it. And little surprises like the three-day silence program. And it's India. 
all kinds of festivals <laughs> and colorful activities and all kinds of wonderful things happen while you're there and you get to be part of it. Uh, do you remember Pongal? Yes, every single celebration was just amazing. <laughs> I had the chance to be uh, part of the girls who were invited to dance. You know, a bunch of foreigners. We were invited to wear saris and all of that stuff and dance in front of Sadhguru for a Pongal celebration. It's uh... <laughs> a whole crowd, right? Like there was a whole crowd. Whole crowd because all the villages and all the people from around were invited for Pongal. They they have bowls and, and they make this Pongal. Pongal is a traditional dish they do in that particular time. And uh, so they made Pongal. Because and... I feel like some people might misunderstand when you say dance in front of Sadhguru, you know. There are some <laughs> judgment which which I feel some people might have, but it's like that just means that you are offering yourself to the experience and just, you know, forgetting, oh my God, I'm standing in front of so many people. How can I do this? No, I'm just throwing myself into it. And, you know, he's not, he's not even, he, he does not even have to pay attention to you. It's not about him. You know, it's just about dissolving yourself. Exactly. It's about expanding your limitations. No, we all have this, preconceived set of stuff. No, I wake up every morning, I have my coffee, and then I do this, and, and my life is pretty much like, and if something is missing out of this little, if your coffee was made because you ran out, or your coffee pot or whatever broke, then your life becomes miserable. It's about that. It's about expanding your limitations. If you have coffee, fine. If you don't have coffee, it's fine, okay? If you jump, it's fine. If you don't jump, it's fine. If you have to sit, and listen, you do it. If you have to stand and dance, you do it as well. <laughs> and life becomes so much easier when you live like this. No, just whatever comes in front of you, just simply do it. Then you're not having in your mind, no, no, no. no this is not how I do it. I don't want to do it. Like, I have this set of rules and I, my life is like this. So Savanapada is basically about that. Was it hard for you to keep that? Expanding yourself. When you came back to Mexico? Was it hard for you? It is hard. Hmm. It is. It is. Let me tell you, it's not simple. Everything. I mean, I have a very loving family, thank God. But still, people judge you. And this side of the world, especially this country, they're all meat eaters, heavy meat eaters, every traditional dish here has meat or chicken, every single traditional dish. And uh, so when you say I'm vegetarian, they look at you like, what? <laughs> when I went to Mexico, they were really accepting me in that way, you know? Yeah, because you're a foreigner, no? You're blonde. In a way you were already alien, no? So whatever. <laughs> Yeah, you're an alien, so whatever you do, it, it's acceptable, no? Because you were not, I, but I'm yeah. one of them. <clears throat> I'm part of the family, I'm part of the group, I'm part of the clan. So one of the clan saying, no, I'm not going to have meat anymore. It's like, and what are you eating hmm. then? 
And it doesn't really matter. Sometimes I tell them, I'll eat rice and beans. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about that. Don't overly concern because it becomes an issue constantly. When I tell them that I'm doing my morning practice and it's like, what, you're doing what? And, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, so many things. They, they, sometimes they look at me a little like, so like I told you, I have a very loving and accepting family, so they support me. But a lot of people don't understand. So it's not simple. It's not simple at all, but it's worth it. That's what I'm, yeah. that the end result for me is totally worth it. And uh, I love the feeling I have right now within myself. I wouldn't change my life. I wouldn't change places with anyone. Any queen, any pop star, any policy, I don't care about their lives and their luxuries. My life is so wonderful, just the way it is right now. I wouldn't change places with anyone. And that feeling has, it's, it's just the best thing that can ever happen to you. So even in, if you have, sometimes you have to struggle, it's okay. I fell in love with Indian culture. That's another thing. So sometimes I still wear my Indian clothes. So people looked at me funny. <laughs> <laughs> I came back with all kinds of herbs and spices and all of that. And I'm, I, I learned how to cook Indian food. So I'm cooking Indian food. And they also looked at me a little funny. <laughs> it's a whole experience, but I love it anyway. Yes. My family like got interested in trying Indian food since I came back, you know, they are starting to really love it. Exactly. It's something that, again, when you expand a little bit your limitations, then you say, oh, wow, this, this is something interesting. This is something that, why not? No, it might be worth it. So it's just about getting those web cobs out of uh, <laughs> your head out of your mind and giving yourself to a new experience. And it, that is absolutely wonderful. My family also loves Indian food now and not all the time. And they're meat eaters and they will be meat eaters, <laughs> but they respect the fact that I'm vegetarian and that's, that's wonderful. Oh, that's wonderful. My, my dad actually, he changed his diet. Like when I, when I, uh, before India, I already, um, change change my eating habits and um not because somebody told me to i was just like let me try how i feel having vegetarian food for two weeks i'm feeling pretty good let me extend this let me try to you know focus on raw foods how am i feeling now let me try to focus on juices how am i feeling now and just by trying things out i kind of started to see the difference And so I came back and I told my parents, you know, my mom was vegetarian since, I don't know, eight years, but wow. she was still cooking meat for us. And, and once I came back and my dad saw, saw me not eating meat, he was like getting really curious. Why is he not eating meat? And I never talked about it, you know? He started to do research. He started to look up um you know what he can use instead of meat and now he's like he may he might even have a better diet than me you know he's like <laughs> wow it completely changed his life like he i don't know it, it was crazy it was crazy 
But my experience was very similar to yours in the sense that I also became vegetarian before I went to India. And it's because my body started rejecting meat. I actually, I started, I was getting sick from it, literally. So when I said, okay, not anymore. So when I stopped, it was like, wow, I feel better. My digestion is better. My energy is better. I'm not feeling nauseated or something all the time. So it, it became something important to me. Even it, This is not because somebody told me you have to do it or because it's a trend or a fashion or something. It's because I felt great when I started doing it. Yeah. It's about that. Same thing with yoga, same thing with uh, Isha, same thing with everything. It's not a fanatic thing. Like, oh, yeah, the guru in India. No, it's about because when you're part of it, you feel fantastic. What else is to think? What, why would you have any doubts about it? It's, it's not about having, no, <laughs> because for some people it's fashion or uh, like a social statement. Oh, I have a guru. Or <laughs> and they go to India and they take a selfie in the Taj and then they think they're so spiritual. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about really, really, really seeing your life with all these changes, seeing your life from a different place. So when you see all that, why would you drop it if it works? Why would you leave it? It's just yeah. giving yourself the chance to try it. That's the thing. We were saying that. Uh, anyway, all cultures, we have common ground, no? All the cultures, we have a common ground. Yes. We come you know, from the same place. Yeah, actually, in the, in the Bible and even in Christianity, people used to have meat only on Sundays, you know? It was not like every single day you would have, you know, breakfast, salami, and then midday lunch, you would have chicken in the salad, and then evening, you know? So it was not like that at all. And even in, even in nature, you know, let's say a lion, a lion does not hunt, is not able to hunt. Three times down. a day. <laughs> not even once a day, you know. He can go without food for seven days. So he eats today, and then seven days later, he eats again. And that's, you know, that's where, like, when I looked at nature and human beings, I was like, it's pretty clear that I am not made to have meat, you know. And then once, once I got to know that meat is taking 45 to 50 hours to fully come out of the body, I was like, I don't want anything in my body for that long, you know? No, it's crazy. And it becomes, it's so funny, you know? Um, we're not even meant to eat three or four times a day. During the 90s, there was this intense fashion between doctors and nutritionists to recommend five meals a day, no, or seven or whatever million number. So you were supposed to be eating all day long, tick, 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 small food and did it, but all day long you were eating. And now it's exactly the opposite. They call it intermediate fasting. And now it's a fashion and a trend, but it's like, no, it's not a fashion. This happened thousands of years ago. Human beings knew how to eat properly back then. Now it's a fashion called, I'm doing intermediate fasting. Yeah. <laughs> Yogis have been doing this forever. So it's not, it's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. We were not supposed to be eating all day long, all the time. No. And 
even stuff like ekadashi for the people who don't know ekadashi is every mandala which is 40 days it's a natural cycle of your of your body at least twice or three times you shouldn't eat food you shouldn't eat food but because naturally people are not connected to this sensation of not eating they establish these days according to the moon calendar for you to fast no so it's like you won't be able to hear your own body <laughs> but i'm telling you please this day don't eat food so it's a natural fast so this is something that's been on for hundreds and thousands of years this information is not new we're not inventing anything it's been there forever it's just we neglected to see it and It's an important thing that people understand, especially this generation. Um, Pre-packed food, no? the industrial food, it's only been around for around 70 years, no? from the 1950s. Everything started to be produced and put in a box and put in a can and put in a bag and put it in like this, no? <laughs> Dead food that can Stay it's in a so shell hard. for a month so or so. It's hard to convince people that it's dead food. It's dead food. Yeah. It's absolutely dead food. So if you f- eat dead food with no energy, we call it prana, with no energy, with no nutritious value, with no anything, how are you going to feel? Yeah. Yeah. Completely dull and tired and like this, but it's, it's just so convenient, no? To go to a store and pick something, just add water, boil it, that put it in the microwave. Don't even get me started on microwaves, but put it in the microwave like this. Sorry, but there's nothing more convenient than picking up an apple and chewing an apple. <laughs> it's, all, it's also- That's very true, yes. <laughs> naturally pre-packed. People have this conception about nutritious food being more expensive, more complicated, more this. More. What if complicated about reaching out and having a banana or having an apple or having, no? What is so complicated about that? Putting some greens in a plate, no? Some seeds on top of it. That's it. It's not complicated at all. Just we like, we're addicted to we're the used sugars. To. And we're used to, yes. Salt, yeah. sugar, like we had... We had certain kind of food. That's what I noticed when I actually I went for a month. I went on raw, fully raw. It was summer and I was, you know, I was exposed to the sun for hours. And that's how I got a lot of energy and obviously through breathing and doing yoga. But to be honest, after like after that, I was like when I would have something sweet, I would be like, wow, this is way too sweet. I am yeah. like I'm not enjoying this. And then when I would have some sweets and I would have some fruits again, I would be like, hmm, it's not as, this fruit is not as sweet as it was before. And so this is why I feel a lot of people there don't really like uh, vegetables and fruits because they taste like not sweet at all, not nice. So, yeah. But once you understand the aliveness, so this is not about the feeling you get in your tongue. It's about the feeling you get in your body afterwards, no? Yeah. I realize I, I usually I don't have dinner. I eat a little, I eat like we do in the ashram. So I have breakfast, no, around this time of day. And then 
10 in the morning or whatever. And then I might have a little salad and then dinner, which usually happens for me around six o'clock. I try not to eat anything after six o'clock. Yeah. That's it. Even sometimes I do five. I don't like having food that late. I understand. For whatever reason, my schedule got moved the other day and I, I had the dinner around eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night. I had nightmares. <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> I, think- I had nightmares. I couldn't sleep. It was horrible. So when you see something that obvious, no, something that little, like just because I had a late dinner, my body was completely off, was all over the place. So then you never have dinner again. <laughs> like you know, someone, somebody lis- listening to this, they will be like, well, you know, why, why should I even uh, come to this place that I feel so sensitive? You know, it, it sounds like a bad thing, you know, like I'm not able to eat when I want to, but it's actually the, the opposite, you know, like exactly. You, you get They're so teaching sensitive. you another way of life. Yes, yes, yes. But I feel like this needs to be communicated to people, you know, that this of course, like, and explain sensitive, yes, being sensitive to food and kind of really feeling what that what you're having has a certain impact to you and not just, you know, putting whatever in and then having your coffee and then just like whatever. That's not how life works. Yeah. And let me tell you that eating in the ashram for me has been one of the most amazing, beautiful experiences of my life. First of all, and some people are going to react to this, but still, it's just amazing. You eat sitting on the floor. You're completely grounded. So your legs, your knees, everything's touching the ground. Second, you eat with your hand. For those of you who think that's the worst thing that can ever happen to you, you can bring a spoon. If you have so much resistance to it, bring your own spoon, that's okay. But let me tell you, eating with your hands Mm. is such a wonder. You get in contact with what you're eating and the taste changes. You wash your hand before and after, it's okay. (laughs) It's not that horrible. But getting in contact with what you eat, the smell, everything, the texture, it's just a whole different experience. And the food in the ashram is such a beautiful live food. It's full with, with flavor for those who think that because it's an ashram is flavorless. I have some, something for you. Indians love spicy food. <laughs> and I don't know about you because the regular Indian food for For me, it was too spicy. I started, I'm not used to eating so much uh, spice, so I started getting some rashes and stuff. So anyway, I was doing the non-spicy, but it's full with flavor. It has a lot of flavor. It is uh, fresh and, and it has all kinds of colors. Now you see your plate, you have all these kind of colors from beetroot and the cucumber and the carrots and this, and they add coconut and seeds. It's such a rich, beautiful meal. And you feel so satisfied afterward. And for those of you also who have the compulsion of, what if I get hungry? You can have as much as you want. They don't put a limit. There are volunteers serving food. And if you ask them for more food, they'll bring more food. Don't worry. 
is not like that, that you will eat three carrots and that's all you can eat. It's not like that. You can eat as much as you want. But you, you're, especially after a few weeks, your relationship with food changes completely. So it's about giving, again, giving yourself the chance to explore something different. For those of you who are addicted to coffee, they don't serve coffee in, in, <laughs> <laughs> in the picture hall. But they have a cafeteria and they serve something called suka coffee, which is made out of herbs and uh, roots and other stuff. It's not uh, the coffee bean itself. And it's for people who drink coffee, I don't drink coffee, but my friends who do drink coffee, they, they found uh, that suka coffee very uh, good, good enough. So they were very happy with their suka coffee. So there are options, there are possibilities, but the whole point of the experience is for you to open up to something that's completely different and get yourself out of your comfort zone. I don't know in your experience, how has it been? Um, I've seen people, friends, family that feel kind of stuck now even more with the pandemic. It's become, it has become so obvious. People are feeling so stuck with their life. They don't know what to do. They feel trapped. They feel like their life is not going anywhere. So this program is about that, you know, taking you out of these limitations so you can see that the options are limitless. They are. All the options in the world are there. The fact that you're feeling stuck is your own creation. The fact that you're feeling dull, that you're feeling bored with your life, that you're feeling frustrated, it's your own creation. And because it's made by you, you can change it and you can feel as happy, as empowered, as free as you wish. So that's the whole point of the experience, I think. <laughs> yes. Yes. And um, so if people have any questions, any doubts about this, anytime, I'd be glad to answer specific questions. All you need to know is if you feel like you're looking for something else, if you feel that you're longing for something and you don't even understand what, if you're feeling stuck with your life, if you're feeling unhappy and you don't even know why, this program is for you. That's simple. Don't overthink it. Don't think, oh, but it's India, but it's far, but it's polluted, it's whatever, the food, the place. Everything that needs to be cared for you will be taken care of. There's a huge team of people working night and day relentlessly to make people coming to this program feel okay. So your health will be taken care of. Your well-being will be taken care of. Everything you need to be fine is there. If you need to talk to somebody, if something's not okay with you, if you're feeling neglected, anything, there's a hundred people there you can talk to and they will take care of you day and night. So it's not something that you just go and go for it, have your experience. No, there's a lot of contention. There's a lot of people taking care of you. I want to Everything add something. Yeah, all the time. I want to add something to this. I've heard a lot of 
a lot of women now coming back that they have a big fear to walk outside in the dark, you know, because, you know, like in Europe and where actually most parts of the world. And I, I feel and what I've heard from ladies share that were at the ashram that this was the first and only place in their life where they felt safe to go outside any time in the day. Any time. Yes. And I was this like, this is the wow. safest place on earth. <laughs> Seriously. Yes. You feel wonderful. so much at ease in that place. You feel that is very much true. This is a, a sad reality in my country as well. But like you said, everywhere in the world, no sexual harassment, sexual abuse, and uh, not feeling safe after certain hours like this. Because the whole point of yoga is releasing yourself from your tags and your identities of being a woman, being a man. All of that is put aside for some time. So all of a sudden, you're there, and they're only human beings. We're all human beings. It's true. Girls and boys sleep separately. They have to make that distinction. Now, girls and boys, sometimes they're separate for certain activities. But still, you feel so much at ease in that place. It's one of the safest places on earth. I never, ever felt unease or insecure. And even like during the night when we had the full moon celebrations and they put everything down. Remember, they put lights off and everything so you can be with the moon and you're walking in the dark. Never, ever. <laughs> It was a moment of hesitation, of fear, of anything. You feel as you're part of the universe and that's one of the best feelings ever. Yes, you're right. Thank you for adding that. Yes, yes, much needed much needed yes I... so it's only seven months and when you put that in the large perspective of life how many years have we invested in pursuing something you know like we said the job the promotion the <laughs> the wife the husband the kids and whatever and it never happens and uh, i also wanted i was thinking about that before we started this interview ourselves no we're single and we don't have kids that why um, that made it so much easier for us to leave for seven months but i want to say that during my program not during our program i had many uh, friends many ladies who were part of this program who had kids small kids may i add very young kids they had husbands they had jobs they had everything And they dropped it for some time. They asked their husband to step in. They asked their mother. They asked their sisters, whatever. They asked their family for help to make this happen. And for many of them, it simply happened. So it's not an excuse saying, oh, no, but I have a, a husband or I have kids or I have. You also had guys in the program who had kids, who have wives, who had jobs. And it didn't matter because investing in your well-being is something that is priceless, you know? And when you come back, when you go back to your family, you're a better version of yourself. So you will be a better wife or a better husband, a better mother, a better father, a better sibling, whatever it is that is part of your own reality. 
you'll come back and you'll be a better version of yourself. Absolutely. Yes. Very true. So, well, we've been talking nonstop for one hour now. <laughs> Maybe people want to rest from us, but we can do a part two if necessary. We can continue talking about this yeah. as much as needed. And uh, I just want to, I just want to, um, if you're up for, for, for yeah. sharing the, the question that you got to ask in the lap of the master, to Sadhguru. That's how kind of, you know, like the first time I saw, I mean, yeah, I, I, the first time I saw you before even Southern Apollo started, you know, um, you, you got to ask like on the, like almost the first day for me, uh, you got to ask this question and later I was like, I know her, I know her. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, I just want to, I, I feel like this, like a uh, short sharing of you just telling yes. the, this, so we were in the lap of the master for people who don't know, this is a, a, a life program where devotees, you know, where meditators spend three days, you no, know, two and a half days intensely with Sadhguru. So we're there, we're listening to him. We're doing meditations together like this. And he answers a lot of questions. Like he does in Darshan, you no, know, when he's doing life and this. So, <clears throat> microphone was going around and I had this burning question, but I've never been the kind of people who's uh, stalking the microphone lady. <laughs> I, want to, I want to have this question. All of a sudden, and I was all the way in the back. I was not even in the front. I was all the way in the back. And all of a sudden this teacher comes along with a microphone and she looked at me and I say, may I? And say, okay, have it. It was like, <laughs> That's it was so awesome. I, I, it was so awesome. Like it was meant for you to ask this question. Yes, totally. And uh, what I asked this guru is how was it that being so far away, because Mexico and India, they're exact opposite in the world. You know, we're far away. How is it that we had so many things in common? No. Uh, recently, we experienced the a Krishna celebration and they had this uh, terracotta pot filled with colored water and you would uh, beat them up with a stick and this colored water would come. For us, that's called piñatas in Mexican culture. And I was looking at this and I was like, damn, how is it possible something like a piñata can be reproduced in the two extremes of the world? And our health system and our pre-Hispanic traditions, we have many things in common. So um, I asked this question and he said that this is all because of the Satrishis. For those who don't know, the Satrishis, the seven Satrishis were the um, devotees of Shiva, you know, the ones after everybody came and, and they spent time with Shiva, everybody left, except for these seven devotees who stay there for their whole life, basically, to learn from Shiva and to be with him. And after they were done learning and, and being with him, they walked to all the corners of the world and they took this information with them. So there are many things in ancient uh, pyramids and, and ground burials and all of that. They have many things in common, geometrical figures, you know, the 
flower of life, you've seen the circles coming together. It appears over and over in so many places, no? So in this side of the world, we had many predominant uh, cultures, but mainly the Mayas and the Incans. Mayans are here in Mexico, Incans a little more to the south, to Peru. But they have this knowledge about astrology, about the world and the universe, about mathematics. And this question happened because while he was talking about the ancient Indian cultures, he said Indians invented the zero. In my knowledge, Mayans invented the zero. And if you see any school book in Mexico, they would say Mayas invented the zero and it, it looks like a little shelf and something so i was looking at him like why are you talking about wh why are you talking about indians we invented the zero no <laughs> 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 and <laughs> it turns out that in in a way we both did simultaneously we both did because our cultures were connected from way back so this is relevant more than ever because we keep insisting in separating people, the blonde ones, the black ones, the tall, the short, the rich, the poor, the Catholics, the Muslims, the Hindus, the Jewish. We insist in separating human beings in different, different boxes. And we have to understand we, can't, we all come from the same place. So even if you see Indian culture as an alien culture, as a very different culture, we all have more in common with that culture than you think or that you care to think. Yeah. That was a beautiful thing for me. And like I told you before, by the end of that speech, Sadhguru said, one way or another, I'll go to Mexico one day and that was one of the best days of my life when he said, I'm going to Mexico. And I started to cry my eyes out because that's the time when I was already, I just recently started to work in, in the Spanish translation. So I knew that this work had so much meaning and so much relevance for making this happen. Now in Latin America, let me tell you, we are one of the third channels of uh, YouTube, Sadhguru Spanish, is just growing like crazy. Every day people keep asking for more and more. They all have read the Inner Engineering on, in the book. Now we have Inner Engineering online in Spanish. It's been a humongous effort to make all of this happen, but it's so worth it. And my heart feels with joy when I see that my people and the Latin people, which is part of this world, are able to share this experience with Sadhguru, and it's just so wonderful. I really, I really feel you on this. When you know uh, Sadhguru, when he answered the question, he also talked about the Dhyana Linga, the temple in, in India that he consecrated. Yeah. That it's in the same angle as in uh, you know a, pyr a pyramid in in Mexico or a temple in Mexico. And when I met, when I went to Mexico and I talked to a few people and I told them, you know, that about, about me joining Isha and, you know, doing the practices of Sadhguru, all, like a lot of them have heard about Sadhguru 
And a lot of when I showed them pictures of the temple, when I showed them pictures of the ashram, they were like, wow, this is real. Like this is now they are used to seeing these pictures from the Mayas like thousands of years ago. But now someone someone came into this lifetime and he's building structures which are, you know, like ancient, ancient structures. And so I, I, I thank you so much for sharing this. It was and be, because this is important for people to know what Sadhguru is offering now. It's not new. This is ancient technology. This is ancient knowledge. This is, and this is not a belief system. Mm -hmm. it, it's just part of the universe. So that's why he keeps insisting saying technology, technology because it is a technology. It is a tool. This is something people have to understand. This is not a cult because this is not about believing something. This is about a tool. This is about a technology that you can incorporate into your life to make it bigger and richer. And speaking of the Analinga Temple, I told you when we first started this podcast that that was one of the main reasons why I went to India. And sitting inside the Analinga Temple, even for 15 minutes, you know how it is. <laughs> it's life-changing. It's life-changing. Just being in the presence of something like that. There was one and guy. I know. It doesn't make any sense for people. How is it sitting in front of a stone? No, would change my life. You have to be there to experience it. Please don't believe me. Don't believe me. Please don't take my word for it. Go there, live it, experience it. Don't take my word for it. For me, it was life changing and it was the best decision of my life to be there best decision of my life and it's my favorite place in the whole entire world isha yoga center in coimbatore in india it's my favorite place in the whole wide world and that's the only place i want to be close to as much as i can yeah that's wonderful i love that sharing because this reminds me uh when i was at the ashram there was a businessman from Germany and they asked me to you know show him the ashram we went to the Dhyanalinga with two swamis you know like sitting together in the Dhyanalinga he he was not into yoga he was not into meditation like he kind of you know read about it he wanted to see the ashram and everything but he was very new to to everything and I was like is he going to be able to grasp the Dhyanalinga but I was like you you don't you don't you don't go there and pray, you don't go in there and and think about meditating. You just go sit and see. And he came out, and he was like, "This was good. I really like this." And I was like, "Wow, someone who sits in jeans and you know like a shirt and like has never done any meditation really in his life. He just goes in there. He sits there for 15 minutes. He comes out and he says." He really enjoyed this meditation. He has not closed his eyes for, you know, this period of time for a long time. He just felt like it was the right place to be. And I was like, wow, you know, this is just amazing. This is so wonderful. So I can like really relate to what we, what you were just sharing. Thank it's you so just amazing. This was the, one of the best experiences ever. I'm still, I still have this thing about going to the, 
United States ashram. I haven't been able to go, but still, I don't regret choosing India and <laughs> going to the temple <laughs> and being there. It's just, it would have been wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Oh my God, this was so much fun. Thank yes. you for inviting me. It was just it was amazing. amazing. I really love this. I, I had no idea about your career, about, you know, uh, the physician and being part in, 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 in medicine, learning about Chinese medicine. And it's so interesting to, to hear the story, you know, and see different people from different backgrounds, but kind of going towards the same direction, expand their consciousness and, and really inspire and help people to do that as well. It's been absolutely one. This journey has been absolutely wonderful. And I wouldn't change it for anything in the world, for anything in the absolute in the huge white world. So I'm so, so happy. We can do a second part whenever you want. If anyone has a specific question about the program, you have to understand that we can tell you about the whole content of the program. But in terms of our experience and how we felt and this, we can tell you. And anyway, there's no point on, of, on giving you too much details about the program. You have to experience it and uh, you have to, and your experience will be different from my experience and from the other guy's experience and from this girl's experience. So anyone goes with their own stories and their own life. And so what they get out of it is different. So in the end, the whole, advice is go and have built your own experience you'll love it all right thank you so much <laughs> i'm filled with joy i really enjoyed this this was wonderful thank you thank you for coming thank on you. taking the time and sharing and thank it's you everybody great. for listening until this thank part. you <laughs> um, that, that was a wonderful wonderful talk and session and Yes, I can. Where can people reach out to you? Um, like, how can people maybe reach out to you? Uh, you see my name here in the screen, Paulina Corona. That's how I'm registered in Facebook. And uh, they can reach out to my email, dra paulina c at gmail.com. Again, dra paulina c at, at uh, gmail.com. If they want to write an email, if they have specific questions, if they want support, if they want to talk, anything, please reach out. That's the most important thing. Just reach out. We are a lot of people willing to listen and to guide you in any way we can. And if we're not, if I'm not able to help you, I'll direct you to someone else that might help you. So please know that we'll do everything within our power to help you out and to direct you to the right direction. So please reach out. Awesome. We're here. I'll have it down in the, in the, I'll have it also the link in the description and wherever it's possible. So if somebody uh, didn't catch it, it will be there. So perfect. Thank you, thank you so much <laughs> again. Thank you so, so much. Bye. All right. Bye bye. <laughs> A few moments later. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> This was amazing. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so much fun. It yeah. was so much, so much fun. And uh, hopefully this will inspire a few people. That's the whole point of uh, 
whatever I can do for my guru, whatever I can give out, whatever, however I can help to give this gift to more people, I'll continue doing it. It's just, it's just such, I mean, we were first batch. It was the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining this beautiful podcast. I, I really enjoyed this thoroughly. Uh, it's, you know, when you stay at the ashram, you don't really get to meet people like you can tell your whole story and just take the time to, to exchange your experience. It's, it's really focused upon your own experience. And so I, I really love this sharing so much. And um, it's so different than, than, than the other one. And I'm so excited about what's coming up next. So yeah, feel free to subscribe, like, and share, comment. And we will be very happy to, to have you join on, on more podcasts. So yeah, thank you. Namaskar.